0: Hello folks, this is Nathan from Utility Muffin Labs. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcasts, Nerd Words, and 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I wanted to take a couple of seconds to let you know about some of the ways we are trying to fund our podcasts. First, we have a GoFundMe so that we can replace our broken down old computer. Check it out at www.gofundme.com forward slash help dash keep dash the dash labs dash running, or click the link on any of our recent podcasts on utilitymuffinlabs.com. Speaking of our website, you'll notice that we've added some Amazon and drive through RPG banners to our site. In addition, our new newest vtm25 posts will have links to purchase the books that we talk about using those banners and links to buy those books helps us tremendously give them a click and help us earn a little bit lastly we've recently set up a patreon page we've got a few rewards for our patrons so far and we plan to bring more as time goes on visit our website for the link or go directly to patreon.com forward slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade thank you for your continued support and let's get to the show Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we're going to do a review of The Kindred Most Wanted, an oversized artistically presented source book for Vampire the Masquerade.
1: It's it's a Bob-sized book.
0: Yeah, it gives us details on the red list, uh, the anathema of the Camarilla, those that are hunted. It's like the FBI's most wanted, but for Vampire the Masquerade. I
1: want to articulate that the book size is perfect. It's like finally somebody got that I'm holding these tiny books like gorilla and I can't quite... It's getting annoying for me to have to read like that. And they were like, we'll just make it a few inches longer. Perfect. Bob size. Yeah,
0: it is definitely an odd shape, much like the review that we did on Who's Who uh, Children of, uh, of the Inquisition. This one is an odd shape, too. But it's not the same shape as that book. No, it's not. So it's, it's weird. A little lack of consistency there. But whatever. It's still a cool book. And uh, it's a cool format. But it is a little big for my dainty hands, I will have to admit. It was not designed for me, necessarily, but for Bob-sized people.
1: That's correct. You're Trumpers?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, normally at this point, we would, uh, we'll would we read some comments or some questions. So uh, I just have one because it's a pretty long question slash comment, and then we can kind of address it um, relatively quickly because uh, we don't want to spend too much time on this book. Like. We're we're not, we're going to try really hard not to make this a two hour
1: podcast. The book's amazing, but I was trumped. So, and (laughs) rightly so. I love the book, but Nate has a point. It's really, you buy the book to read the content. while Reviewing it. So that's, (laughs) that's, that's what he got me
0: on. (laughs) All right. So our uh, message today comes from, uh, Alessandro.massey. Uh, I probably shouldn't read his email address. You might get, uh, well, anyways, his name is Alessandro. I'll cut (laughs) that out. Uh, Hi, Nate and Bob. I absolutely love your Vampire the Masquerade podcast. I want to congratulate you on the great work you do every week by reviewing these old books, many of which bring back very fond memories for me. I started playing Vampire in 1993, and it's still a part of my life today. I haven't had the chance to run a Vampire Chronicle in many years. My more recent chronicles were Werewolf and Mage, but I'm in the process of preparing a new vampire game, and so your podcast is helping me get into the right frame of mind for the endeavor. So I wanted to ask you a question, storyteller to storyteller, about Frenzy and Roshrek. As far back as I can remember, my troop has treated Frenzy like a savage animalistic fury in which a vampire is overcome with a destructive desire to placate the beast. They can't talk or articulate anything except for hisses and growls. They lose control and attack every, anyone in their path as they attempt to indulge their cravings of the beast, cravings for blood, for revenge, etc., The image it conjures is like The Walking Dead, but on a liquid diet. This approach to vampiric frenzy doesn't sit well with me because it doesn't feel that frenzy is in any way tempting for a vampire to want to indulge in. With the exception of the feeling of invulnerability that comes with frenzying, i.e. no wound penalties, there is no other benefit to succumbing to the frenzy at all. Our troop has gone so far as to say that vampires cannot even activate any disciplines while in the throes of frenzy. In this way, the beast is treated as analogous to an animal, disrupting the higher brain functions of the vampire and reducing them to a feral state. However, I prefer to see the beast as analogous to the devil. So it's part of a vampire that craves uh, perdition and tempts the vampire into giving up its humanity. And so frenzy should provide something to tempt the vampire into giving up control. (coughs) Pardon me. Our troop uses a system for Frenzy because that's how it's always been done, but now that I'm going to take on the mantle for Storyteller for Vampire, I think it's time to re-examine this fundamental part of vampiric nature. In one of your episodes, you made reference to a Frenzy being influenced by a character's nature, and I remember reading something similar in V20, but the rules for Frenzy in even that book were left deliberately vague. So, here's my question. How do you guys handle Frenzy in your games? What does the Frenzy look and feel like for the character, for observers, What game mechanics do you impose to govern Frenzy? How does nature affect Frenzy? Like the character has Architect, for example. How can a destructive Frenzy reconcile with the character's intrinsic motivation to build? Ditto for Caregiver. Thanks, and keep up the good work. All right,
1: Alejandro, I'm going to dive into this. I've been chomping at the bit while Nate was reading that, but the book that you need to read first and foremost, where I get a lot of my motivation for Frenzy, is Sins of the Blood. That's the book White Wolf made to answer a lot of questions about the intimacy of a beast, but it's not going to tell you how to run it. What it will tell you is something very important. What happens when a humanity drops to zero? And it's, and it's called the wassail. That's essentially the fate that they say that you're, you're stuck in. And you're just this frenzied monster consistently running around. But then you get into talking about some key elements like the beast now being in control is remembering parts of when it wasn't always savage and has a penchant to act that way. And the older the vampire, the more likely it's going to fall into old habits, but they're always monstrous. It's always something horrendous. For instance, if it was a Ventrue elder who fell into this mode, um, it's going to want to still hunt its favorite blood source. But knowing that vampires it could feed on too, it would cultivate an area under a nice Elysium where it's trying to snag neonates at the end of every gala event to drag them under is an example of that. But that's the wasail. What it told to me was... Frenzy was always, I always hated uh, frenzy the way it was because it said, how is it that we weren't hunted down by every, every hunter everywhere? You frenzy for so little things. I mean, everybody has a chance to just lose their shit if you run it by the rules. What I do is that frenzy. I use the nature of the person to tell me who the vampire is. And in that it's very psychological. We don't know what, why we have a beast when we become a vampire, other than there's this dark urge I often see it very similar to how Wraith the Oblivion is split. That there is a Wraith who's in control, and then there's a Shadow damning them to their to Oblivion. and wants to drag them away. I love that duality, because to a vampire, essentially you and the beast are one, and the thing that is supposed to go away is your humanity. That's, that's whose life it is. So, I don't know if that's confusing. I'll try to put it a better way, because it seems like it came confusing out of my mouth, but imagine that your beast is quieted, because who's in control right now is its human side and it's and it doesn't know what the hell the world is outside of the blood so what you're
0: saying is like the beast is kind of ego
1: you got it you and, got it
0: and and your you know your id or your your upper sort of train of thought your your outward mentality is what's keeping it at bay
1: it's like a metamorphosis you're a vampire great but you have to go through a chrysalis to truly be what you are which is a monster and every vampire knows it and they have forever to fall and if you think about it that is exactly what is going on every single vampire since the dawn of time you are waiting to become wassail that's what it come, it's probably the because Rick Fury friends they get into that and they call the wassail or whatever but there's a permanent state and it's a white that I'm thinking of I apologize right. it's not wassail it's called a white when you lose all your humanity these whites that they're colorfully referred to right is the true vampiric nature.
0: Right, that's what they're called. The act of falling into that is called falling to the wassail.
1: Right. So the the whole object I'm saying here is the fact that if you know what you're supposed to end up being, then you know what it must look like to start sliding. But every vampire is unique. Not this, the same experiences don't mold one to the next. Right. How you portray that is to know your player. I've said that frequently in these podcasts like we both did. If you know your player, then you know that venture bookkeeper trying to... He's made his life to control, to control himself, to control everything around him, to keep it going. That's going to be one of the most violent motherfuckers that ever loses shit. Because his beast has been shackled this entire time. And when it finally is able to let loose, it's going to tear up whatever it can. Um, think Lost Boys whenever they, uh, whenever they frenzied. I think that movie did very good to showcase how they would do it. But these were kids who were made vampires who had barely any control anyway of their inhibitions. That's right. what you got. Right. And you could do anything under the sun. Like, I often do it to where, <clears throat> let's say you're a torador, and your muse is sculpting, and that, that's your thing. But well, what happens when you wake from a frenzy and there's something new added to the art? Fits in perfect. It's a beautiful color and a hue of red. You don't know where it came from until you look <laughs> to the other side of the, of the sculpture itself, and there's your servant who came up to give you your cup of blood for the evening. Right. But you had worked yourself into a hunger. And that's that's what remains. But you didn't destroy the room. You didn't kill anybody else. And that servant might even have a smile on her face. Sometimes the beast is subtle. Sometimes it's cunning. Sometimes it can talk and can manipulate. But always the person looking at you no anyone who looked at you knows you're not in control. And I often use the color of the eyes as a, as a key indicator. Something that something from within you has fought its way to the surface and it's now dictating what you do and it's it should be something showcased horrifically. That's the horror nature of vampire. Without the frenzy, period, without that beast and you throwing it in, you're just a superhero who gets burnt in the light.
0: Right. I think it's uh, very important for a storyteller to take the opportunity of a frenzy to really tell a story. These are all little things. These are tricks that we can use as storytellers to tell not only a story to our players, but to tell a story... To the player who 's playing that character, so that they can see you know as a player detached what they are on the inside right. you you shine that mirror to them and it tells them a story, even if they don 't have the opportunity to know or understand that in game as a player they're they 're going to look at that and they 're going to go oh shit that's that 's what i am that 's what I really am and I think that uh, as storytellers and and as players and as gamers in general, we get really caught up in we, we have to know every single detail. If every single rule is not ironed out to me, then I just don't get it. No, that you're looking at that. Sorry to say this. You're looking at that wrong. All of those inconsistencies, all of those little spaces where they don't fully realize that those are places for you to tell your own story, to make it unique for you and your game and your troop.
1: Nate pointed out the fact that we can review a book and I will make a reason as to why something, what, how I would make it cool that they gave very little about the detail. And he says, it's a review, Bob. You can't do it. I forget which podcast you did. I, we were, it was a New Orleans, I think, mm-hmm. where you did it. And I was like, hey, man, I don't do that. And you were like, you did. He's right, I do. I try to fill in those blanks because I know people want to know detail. But more importantly, I truly believe they did it with the functionality of, hey, man, I pass the ball. You catch it. Yeah. You read between the lines. Right. However, maybe I do that a bit too much. Oh, that,
0: no. And, and here's the thing, like. I don't ever have a problem with you doing that. That's what makes you a great storyteller. I really don't even have a problem with you doing it in like our podcast, but our function is to go through it and review it. We have you to know, review. Right. We don't want to fill in those details for you because that's what they're there for for you. They're there for you as a player or you as a storyteller to fill in those details. That's where you bring out all the little interesting things but don't get so caught up on stats. Rules, like you know, mechanic. Like, what, what's the benefit of, of, of a frenzy? The way that you storytell that, it should be a terrifying event when one of your players goes into a frenzy.
1: Because I'll tell you what happens when you don't grab hold of that. As a storyteller, it should be a, uh, a lever mechanic. They're in a scenario in the club, things are hopping, it's dancing. It's not really, it's a scene because they're in it, but they're waiting to meet someone. But two or three of them are low in blood. It's a great time to feed. If they don't want to feed, then it's your job as a storyteller to portray how they're really seeing the club at that moment. I don't care who they are. That's food walking around. Right. It's, it's a buffet for the, for the damned. Right. And if you're in that club with mortals so close that you could smell their sex, just, just the pheromone scent that comes off them and the sweat... It's not something that only arouses you, that's your mind talking, your beast is growling. Right. Because it can reach out and just grab them. Right. And that's when you, the storyteller, are winning. When you're describing how close they are to losing it without ever having to roll dice. They should be inspired to want to slake that thirst because they know what's going to happen. And then if they go, nah, not going to feed, you pull the trigger. Right, You pull the trigger. You're like, cool, roll, roll self-control.
0: What does, a, what does a wolf, a starving wolf do when he's in a pen full of sheep that don't seem to mind he's there? <laughs> Somehow. He's starving and he's been walking across the winter hills for weeks
2: <laughs>
0: and he barely has enough strength left to, to take a, one of these sheep down, but there's one there he could get for sure. Does he just go, nah, I'm going to go home? Or does he pounce?
1: And you're gonna pounce. Don't forget, for every camera outing you ever see, the elders feed first, and they feed well before they go to those functions, right? Keep that in your mind. Has to be done because the prince has to be seen as upholding his own rules. But he's the oldest monster of them all, usually. So what he does, all should do. And that's very important to the beast. And why I even bring that up is because if you look at the different dichotomies, no matter who you are, Prince, Justicar, Kane you still have a beast. Yeah. And so if you don't, you know, like you're talking about, like, how do I portray this, that, and the other, you have to decide what's good for you as a storyteller and what you want your little monsters to be and let that troop know. And more importantly, you don't let them know by telling them like we're talking now, let this be our storyteller secret here. And when you portray it in game, describe what that beast is doing. If you want to give the beast an internal monologue with them, feel free. It's not a derangement. It's their own mind telling them what it wants. And the more they ignore it, the more hold and the more voice you're going to get. Could start like an inch, uh, an itch in the back of the mind, until it ends like a horrific snarl as they lash out and eat someone. And in that, you don't even have to roll dice. They had every warning every time you opened your mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another way you can do that mechanic.
0: Absolutely. So, um, all right, let's move on to our book, The Kindred Most Wanted. Um, I always thought it was called the Kindred's Most Wanted. It is not. It is the Kindred Most Wanted. (laughs) Um, This one was released in 1994. And it is, uh, as we said before, it is like uh, the Children of the Inquisition. It is a selection of individuals that are uh, like non-player characters, is what you call them. And they make up the list at this point in time of the Most Wanted Kindred, the Red List, the Red List of the Camarilla.
1: The top 10 or 15?
0: Uh, I don't know if they give it a specific number. Let me count them out. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, There's 13, so...
1: 13. So, yes, yeah, Which top- makes
0: sense. 13 is like, a, you know, it's a superstitious number. It's a 13, 13 clans. 13 clans, right. exactly.
1: So the opening letter comes from the number one on the red list, Kevin and Terry, Chilled of Set. I'm not talking... Follower of said you considers yourself a child. I'm not talking a priestess or whatever. Right. We're talking a walking woman that says the Sabata right and you Camarilla elders are wrong because my sire is the set. Sutek himself. And that's and she knows him. Not only knows right. of him, knows where he is and what he's about. And the Camarilla Kindred have been trying to kill her since they were aware of her. Because she represents that lie they're upholding. Now what's cool is the way she writes a letter returning into Valerius. Uh, And I believe it's the Valerius Mayor who's also on the red list. And Valerius is trying to uh, organize. He's trying to unionize all the bad folk on the red list to become their own type of thing. And she's mocking him for it. Like, why would I want to do that? And and it goes so far as to be monstrous and tell him, take this little letter as as your last warning of trying to contact me. You come contact me again and I will burn out your opposite colored eyes with the sun for fun. But not destroy him. (laughs) Oh, no, that's too easy. Right. She highlights that she enjoys the game. And what's even cool, I'm always a fan of the badass bitches White Wolf cranks out. Mm -mm. And there are none as fearsome. If you're a storyteller who wants to really highlight that the game is afoot or that we're in for a ride, just drop her name in a chronicle and then slowly release info about her. She's a fourth gen Methuselah pureblood. You absolutely can get Lauren a whole bunch of uh, build up on it. I've done it. Also, the Camarilla chagrin. she did what I like to call, she basically taco-slapped all the Camarilla kinder. That's what she did, right? Totally taco-slapped them. And, and how this happened is, she impersonated the Ventru Justicar for five years. No one had a clue. And she was smoking, straight smoking archons and anyone else that was coming for her, and they didn't know why they were dying, and she was the one ordering the death. Right. And there was nothing they could do. And so the Venture were like, well... um, they clearly can get the best of us. Um, right. Well, let's, let hunt. Let's organize. <laughs> She's number one. Right. Exactly. And that's and that's what it has to be. And she mocks them for it. Right. Uh, in the very first chapter
0: here, they go over, I, and I don't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I do believe this is the first time we really get into the Alistair.
1: It's we, absolutely the first and only place they get into it here and, at this point.
0: Right. Right. So far. Because later on, as some of you may know, they will go into way bigger detail, but Basically, we have this list, and this list is the the baddest of the bad. They are the worst of the worst. They are the ones that need to be taken care of immediately by the sect. And we call that the red list. Again, kind of like the FBI's most wanted.
1: Funny but, you mention that. Right. They have. Because Ken Winterry mocks them for it. Right. That J. Edgar Hoover made his most wanted list conveniently, out of nowhere, the Camarilla made theirs.
0: Well, and uh, probably in the same fashion, the FBI's most wanted list was a marketing ploy. It, is, it, is a, it was to get attention. Right. And in a lot of ways, the red list is as well. It's to get attention. These people crossed somebody or did some bad stuff or took some things from somebody or just pissed off somebody enough to get on the list.
1: Well... That's that's on. That's not even the most wanted. That's just the, the extensive list, right? What they what she points out, and I like this, is that uh you know think of it this way. Before the list, it was just a bunch of Justicars sending Archons in the dark, trying to scratch and get at her, and they would quietly tell the Prince, "Hey man, we gotta go over in this neighborhood. Right. Stop all information here. This is a bad dude. We'll let you know what's going on later." And then they would go in, and then it would go quiet. Right. Never heard from again because she'd kill them all, and and that's how she wanted it. But then they smartly outmaneuvered her, which is what they said this is, because then they opened the books. Right. Here's everybody that's on it, and anybody who sees it, you got to deal with it. And if you're Camarilla, this, that's the most insidious part. You have to participate in any blood hunt. They made it sect-wide blood hunted, is what the Red List is. If right. you see them, you have to kill them. That's your duty. And they added all sorts of stuff into it that we'll, we'll get into it there. Right. But that's the purpose of it, is so you had nowhere to hide.
0: Well, uh, they talk about the trophy, and the trophy is the big reward for you know hunting down and killing one of these red-listed individuals. And there are a variety of different uh, uh, trophies and um, th- like m- things that will be given to those rewarded with the uh,
1: the with claiming that kill. So let's talk about the importance of it. If you have a list. You say that anybody, well, first let's discuss the, we'll, we'll put a footnote, it's a little ahead because you've got to understand the progression. We all know what an archon is. Right. Public figureheads of the Justicar, right? What's an Alistair then?
0: Well, an Alistair specializes in these particular nasties. They are archons of the specialized... But according to who? So I guess the Justicars, right?
1: Right, but they're only known by the Justicars. Right. <laughs> they're the Justicars SS, so storytellers were doing it wrong... When a Justicar Oh yeah, I'm an Alistair, I'm in town, you should know. You're doing it wrong. Right. That's just me politely telling right. you, and eh, because that ruins the whole shtick. The whole point of this is the Justicar has you in the area and you say you're an Archon. Easier for everybody. When you get into trouble, that's when you reveal your SS thunderbolts for the Camarilla. Right. And then the Justicar's like, Oh, you've been staked and returned to me with an angry prince and blah blah blah. Fair enough. Why, Prince, did you stake my Alistair if you knew who they were? right? Could it be they raised a hand against you? Could it be I now have to investigate you? I'm willing to bet I do because I know who my Alistair is and I know how much I trust them right right Therefore, exactly Welcome to the Inquisition that the Jessica is going to put you through so it becomes a very feared role like and that's and by the way, that's why archons are feared in the first place. An Archon coming into town's great, you know, the, the you know, business for the Justicar, but ultimately not the end of the world. But what, what should be in every prince's head, he only came as one, there's no other Archons. Might be that's an Alistair. <laughs> and we can't just call him out on it, because we know what that leads, so we gotta play it cool. Right. Now, the dual purpose of the Alistair for the Justicar is to also wipe out their enemies in the Camarilla. Not just the Red List. It's a political maneuver as well It's to quietly do away with those who decry you Those who would Gum up the work, spit in your face Whatever, but the trick To the Alistair is to do it and make it seem Accidental.
0: Oh, absolutely, and then You know, the other problem that comes around The corner is, as at Prince You're going, oh, there's this one Archon Is this dude an Alistair And if he is, shit There's someone right. in my domain that's Red listed.
1: Right <laughs> How the hell did that get past me? Well, I'm fucked. (laughs) I need all the info. I said all, because it's going to seem like I'm dumb. I'm either inept or I've been covering it up.
0: Absolutely. I feel like uh, it it further emphasizes the fact that when an Archon shows up in your domain and you're the prince or you're on the Primogen Council, regardless of why they're there, there should be a mad dash. You should be doing everything in your power to find out what the hell is going on for sure what's going on right now and how do I fix it and how do I clear my own ass
1: so we know what those guys are right the Alistair's now right and we know that the Jessicars pick their true Alistair's from amongst their Archon ranks and how that goes they don't just go hey Nate you're an Archon now you're an Alistair it's hey Archons go kill that Redlist member right whichever one of you does or captures them now you're an Alistair right and that's equipment supplies and everything to help you out they even outline what's cool about being an ouster going to a city. Every prince is expected to uphold you mm-hmm. for 13 nights minimum. That's grant you hospitality and grant you domain of the area to operate. They got to set you up and they got to keep you fed. Because you're here on business until you're not. And that's how it goes. Most princes, of course, obey this. Because you don't want to cause a problem. Now, what's interesting about that further is when we talk about a trophy, um, Ken Minteri actually brought this up. Well, how do you get a bunch of people sect-wide, from the lowest neonate to the greatest of elders, to suddenly decide they're going to take on the baddest of the bad. Well, how you do it is, is that you sweeten the deal. You gotta give them something. You gotta give them a little something-something. Mm-hmm. So what does everybody want? Well, everybody wants to de somebody. Yeah. Well, we all say we yeah, don't. Right, right, right. No, it's terrible. We can't do that. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, some clans offer that type of trophy. Right. And, and say, yeah, you can do it. Um, and here's what's interesting. In Tabletop, at least out of this book they highlight that you can ask whatever trophy you want from a whole entire clan that's offering up the trophy. Right. Which means if you went there and you're like, you know what I really want? I'd like an elder <laughs> staked in in front of me. And they're like, whoa, whoa, too loud friend. No, 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 no. Let's talk back here. Don't say that in front of everyone. We don't, right. we, don't we don't, we don't condone that behavior, No, no. but we got a couple in the basement. <laughs> we just got to see which one you want. But um, right. I mean, are you looking for word. a
0: specific guy? Cause we got, we got a half a dozen gangrel we could really get rid of.
1: Sanction Diabra is a big one that's on there, but it's also secret, right? That's not, that's right. not offered openly. The other one is is Justicar forgiveness. Indulgence. The indulgence. You, who doesn't want that? Yep. Who hasn't been a bully boy to piss off everybody to suddenly go, doesn't matter who I embraced, doesn't matter what prince I killed, it doesn't matter that I even diaberized two or three people. You found out now, hey, I would like your forgiveness. Your indulgence, to Sir Justicar, is what I want granted and signed. You're forgiven, scumbag. But now you're an Alistair and produce. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the camp and kill some. Also, old. don't get too annoying. Yeah. Because when you when you do, when you get too annoying, we're gonna we're gonna eighty six you. Oh, Goodbye. hey, you need to go out to fucking Prague and and fight. Uh, I need you to find me. Uh, t- <laughs> Insert random monstrosity here, and it turns out you just don't come back. And then the
1: third big one to me in that list is clan friendship, right? There's to give like a list of ten, and, and a lot, all of them are good, but those are the three big ones because to me they have amazing, up upheavily good. That's not even a word, but you know, good reward. And clan friendship's cool, not just because it's a cool little merit out of the book, because it's real clan friendship. If I'm of Clan Bruja and I'm now an Alistair, and I want clan friendship with Ventru. That means I get treated as such. Right. I get all the finery. I get all the mansions. Every party of the venture you get, I get to go to. If there's that big meeting out east of Jesus on some island somewhere where all the big wigs go, guess who gets an invite? This guy. Because <laughs> I did something <laughs> for them, and they're going to have me there to do it. Now, that doesn't give me high rank. It just gives me door privilege. Right. Key to the city. It means they will treat me as one of them because it's a friend. And by one of them, eh, I don't get the goge and all that, but I, what I do get... The head nod.
0: Right. In the limo. Everybody knows why you're there, and they afford you that.
1: And they thank you for it, respectfully. Cool now, stuff.
0: Now, some, some on here that suck. Some reward options that suck. suck. Grant of retainers. You're allowed to make ghouls. Great. In case you didn't take those points on your sheet
1: when you created your character, you could do it now. You killed the sixth-gen, ravening, diaboristic werewolf-vampire abomination... You killed Samuel Haight. He was on the red list. Yeah. By the way, why is he not? What? So he's dead. You can make a ghoul now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you uh, maybe even two. Would you like two ghouls? Just pushing
0: it. Right. Do do you want uh how about safe passage to another city? That's awesome. Yeah, you know, so you can go kill other so you're gonna put red lists <laughs> for me. Is that what you just said? Yeah, what we're gonna do is we're going to spend a thousand dollars. And fly you through the air. (laughs) Great. You're welcome. Thanks. That's a a lot of help for me killing that (laughs) 2,000-year-old maniac who's been marauding through the countryside. But, you know, hey, it's what I asked for, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, some are better than others. Um, That's why you only remember 10. (laughs) There's actually 14.
1: Yeah, see? (laughs) That is how my mind works. And, And then they go on
0: to talk about the politics of the trophy, which we've kind of already discussed. And...
1: Uh, it ends with a warning. Don't diabolize your elders. Right, says so it straight up. And it's, oh, the, the coolest thing about the trophy politics is the Justicar politics of it. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have a player who likes, and every game has one. Fuck the prince, and fuck you. I don't fear shit. I'm gonna walk in here and raise hell, cause raising hell's what I do, cause I'm the hell hellraiser. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm a venture. Everyone's had one or two, or just like the oddball player does it. I tell you now, smile as a storyteller. Let him tell it on a mountain, from the highest peaks and the tallest of buildings. Let him do it, because he's going to find himself on the red list. What's that you say? That seems a little steep. Does it? Well, he didn't do anything wrong. He's free to say what he wants. You don't like the prince. Okay, sounds good. What if I'm Ventrue Justicar so-and-so, and and I do like the prince? And what if that's part of my lineage, and you're being an ass? Well, I make a phone call, and I say, hey, Justicar of Clan Bruja." I have this asshole running around being a schmuck. We have an opening in the red list right now. I'm gonna put up. I'm gonna put this guy in the red list for 24 hours. You start the clock. How about a minor boon? <laughs> and the Brewer Just Guard goes, "Are you serious, that petty?" And he goes, "I dare you to challenge what I just said." <laughs> okay, but then I get the slot next. He goes, "You sure do." We don't have to update it exactly now. We know who's gone, but. And then suddenly, 13th Gen, Raising Hell, whoever the guy. Right. He's yelling, at all on the mountain. He doesn't even know he's on the red list. But then the whole city kills him. Why? (laughs) Because they made sure everybody knew it. Right. And then they often say that when that happens, the person on the red list is in the midst of his friends. And then they all get a text. Sometimes unison. And that's all it takes. However, they get the message. And then people look at him. And he's like, guess what, buddy?
0: Right. You you are famous. It's it's, a... It's a sad day.
1: It is, but it it's is a, beautiful it's a if you day. think of the politics behind that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so, tips for your games. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're just going to go over a couple of these characters that are in here. We don't want to spend a whole host of time like we did in the last one going over every single character. Because you want to read, right? You want to yeah. read the book. That's half this book is right. reading the cool shit that's in it. Right. So, where do we start off? Who's, who's some of your favorite characters in here?
1: I really do like Angelo the Blood Brother.
0: Yeah, I do too.
1: It's an awesome character and a good background. Um, I also like Nkindu. Oh, and just for you, the record here, folks, these are some ridiculous characters, okay? To get into them, do we want to just do, like, my top mention and we're going to go over them? Yeah, do you sure, just, like, whatever. Let's just free flow it. Let's free just get flow? in. Yeah. Let me tell you why I like, um, first off, we'll, we'll go over the coolest people in this book in my opinion. Right. So... Not just my personal favorites. Everyone can get behind it. Right. You want to know who fucking Set is? You want to know how much of a badass that guy is? He is the father of chaos. He is the bringer of death. Why? He had a ghoul. A demon. (laughs) Called the Typhonian Demon. He has one, and it's great. And guess who has it? In Kindu the Noah. That's right. There's a ganger walking around Illinois who likes to collect (laughs) rare things. And when he called out to this great being... It responded why because the noah's a nice guy right. and girl yes i said that correctly he has two different modes that he sometimes flips between oh it's a it's a ridiculous character but it's ridiculous for good reason right it's it's that gangrel who slipped through time who's just been going about his way yeah
0: it's, it's just, just an that? entity that continues to grow and sort of mutate into
1: a variety of different things because he has frenzies He's had a lot of frenzies and he's like a bug monster animal amalgam thing in his real form. And then he decided to be an incredibly hot chick (laughs) as an alternate form. Cause why not? And why he has some strong maternal instinct for all the rare animals that aren't loved in the world. Isn't that sweet? By the way, the Typhonian demon is a rare animal that's been running around looking for right, Set. Right, And is the only thing that can find Set, by the way. Right. Is the only thing. Well, in 2200 BC, you have to remember, <laughs> the Gangrel
0: Antediluvian was like, ah, oh, let's relive our past glories. In 2200 BC, the Gangrel Antediluvian was like, let's relive our past glories. <laughs> and then he built a ziggurat. And he said, this will be our home. And you have this guy. this thing that came out of it. He
1: was there. Amazing, right? Yeah. And now, so, what's cool about it is the demon's inside him and it requires a lot of blood. All the animals inside it require a lot of blood. You know, they gotta be ghouled. He's gotta feed him. He's gotta do what he has to do. But more importantly, he knows what's inside him, the Typhon Demon. And he just wanders around, keeping it placated and happy, making sure that it feels it has a home. So we'll pause there at the Enkindu. Really, the Noah I've used in Chronicles before as being that Honestly, he was dating people just to do it, and then showcasing rare animals and breeds is yeah. how he used it, yeah. until he frenzied and then had to leave, because everyone was dead who was at that party by the end. <laughs> and why? Red list. <laughs> oh, absolutely. True that. But you could roll that right to who? Kim and Terry? Yep. You read her background, learn all about Seth, learn all about why she doesn't want him coming back at all, and wherever he went, he could stay. No, absolutely. Because as you can imagine, that guy... Not a good guy.
0: But I thought that our goal was to resurrect our, our Dark Father and diabolize him.
1: Right. That's what morons get to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's probably not going to be a thing that happens,
1: folks. When you're set the badass and you're like, hmm, kind of tired. Yeah, I feel the sleep coming. Yeah. I know how this goes. It's cool. I predate the Flood, so parties are getting older. Right. People aren't doing what they used to do. Not enough cities for me to wreck and destroy anymore, so the Father of Chaos can't be chaotic suddenly he's gonna have to build to destroy that's not his bag i'm just gonna sleep until there's shit that i can destroy sounds like a wonderful plan hey ken Minter, you're getting off light. be fruit flies and multiply <laughs> and he goes to sleep and he goes wait, wait wait a minute i'm groggy let me wake up all of you all will be blessed with all that i have if you follow these tenants and these tenants only keep no morals yeah that's it i'll let you do whatever you want keep that up and by the way do every indulgence known to defy God because fuck that prick. Good night. And he goes to sleep and he's gone. He fakes right. in the world. And she's the one who gets to go. Um, no, we don't. I'm not resurrecting nothing. Right. OK, for you, he's a deity. For me, he's the he's Uncle Touchy. My dad Okay, <laughs> comes around. I found I found the first thousand times you rate me to be kind of over the top. And by the way, I didn't say feed for me.
0: No, absolutely not. So
1: there's that. And then when that was done, he got to show me every horror possible that a vampire can commit. And boy, did that do wonders for my psyche. So yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely.
0: It. So those are two of our our, uh, our journal entries here.
1: And before I make her the complete victim, when you read, oh she's gotten her come yeah, up. She's it.
0: she's no good. Don't she's don't gotten gotten get it twisted. Up. Don't get it twisted. She's still a fourth generation said.
1: Who treats the world as a playground and everyone in it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, the uh one thing that uh, you know, of course I always like to go on about this, the artwork in these books. Uh it's black and white, grayscale artwork. It's just awesome. Like honestly, the the artwork that's that's in these books with the full page uh imagery of the character and um you know, some of the uh the supplemental artwork as you go through it. It's it's awesome. It's done very well. It's like a super realistic uh, paint style um, done by uh, bu- 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 Ken Meyer Jr. Anyways, I'm not super familiar with his artwork outside of this book, but um, they should have used him more because it's great.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty book. Um, yeah, Tariq the Silent. Oh yeah, let's That's not let's not three. forget.
0: Yeah, Tariq well, the fifth ten, generation Asimite uh, world class assassin.
1: Hey Bob, what's an Asimite? he said it world-class assassins their clan made to do what be a blood death cult to their god hakim and we'll get into that in a later podcast because i like him but this dude is why i like them funny how that works out right i read him and it's a guy so fanatically loyal to that of hakim that he started at the low end of the totem pole and he just wins okay he's filled with tiger blood folk I mean, that's what he is. Tiger's <laughs> blood, folks. I don't know why I suddenly dropped Essence, but he's <laughs> he, filled with it. All he does is win. He can't fail. He's so feared that the Camarilla, you could just mention, by the way, Tariq, we treat the Sons in the city, and watch princes close the Elysium down. Just, well, check, please. We're done. Because <laughs> he's a guy who unabashedly, more than once, has dove into a gathering just like that and killed. Yeah. His target mainly, but anyone else in the way. And he is a rampant Diaboris. He does it. It's his way to get closer to Hakim because for him, it's worship. Yeah. It has a purpose.
0: And uh, much like a lot of these other characters in here, that this is a character whose evolution will continue throughout the game line. For sure. Uh, The majority of these characters, whether they live or they die, they're not just like, you know, one shot dice roll. Hey, uh, there's a character you can use. These are characters that, again, are filling out this world. They're they're going to be touched on in fiction. They're going to affect the game as it goes forward.
1: I feel we got to talk about Angelo. Angelo's uh, an LA native.
0: The first one. Oh, the yes, Angelo the Angelo the drug dealing maniac or the drug taking maniac gangbanger who. From L.A., Right from the riots. He decides, uh, and this is back in the 1960s during the race riots that uh, may or may not have been perpetuated by the Sabbat while L.A. was under siege. Uh, This young man decides, I'm going to take a cocktail of as many different drugs as I can take because my my brother died and I watched him get gunned down. And tonight's just the night we're going to let it all hang out. Just do it. There's a riot going on. Let's start some fires. Do it up. And so him and his friends, they let loose. He's on PCP. He's on cocaine. He's on whatever. Quaaludes. You you name it. It's in his body. And it says he's taken enough drugs that it would have subdued ten a, men. a ten men. But he keeps going. And his, his absolute madness attracts the attention of the Sabat
1: Packs. Because what they were doing, him and his gang were running, and just burning down buildings.
0: Oh, yeah. Just starting fires wherever they could. And so they, uh, they attract the attention of these panders. And the panders come, and they're like, we need that guy. That guy, he might even be a little too crazy for us, but hey, we'll settle. Tonight's the night. Siege is on. So they take his ass to the cemetery. And meanwhile, this dude is barely cognizant. He's barely He's aware. Now,
1: building. When they see him, they were like, cool, this guy looks like a lot of fun. We're going to eat these people. Right. But let's have some fun. And they're doing a fire dance. Yeah, that's right. So for the sabbat pack, a fire dance is a ritual that shows their courage. Mm -hmm. And they're just leaping over flames. The higher you go, the better. The bigger the flames, the better. Angelo runs forward and shoves his hands in the flames, right in the coals, and starts throwing sparks at them, laughing hysterically. And maniacally, they're laughing with him, and they're like, this dude. Right. And they kill everyone else, but he's too high to notice. And then they take him to the cemetery. That's how we want him in. But things get real. He's at the cemetery... They start feeding on him, and he realizes, something And realizes, I'm, I'm dying. He just knows it. He wanted to die anyway. Yep. That was kind of the point, but not like this. They dug a grave in front of him. It was all fun and games until five vampires are draining you at once. And when it's done, they give him some blood, and they start laughing. Why? They're now high as fuck.
0: Right. He, he <laughs> regains some degree of clarity. They, on the other hand, are all hopped up on his drug drugged out blood
1: and who knows how old they are right they're on some shit they'd even know about and that's welcome to the modern world and they're doing silly things that like they're writing their names on his body and blood because they're just out of it right so bad that when he flees the area
0: they just uh yeah do. yeah they, he flees because again he has his moment of clarity and they don't they're too fucked up to even think about survival and they die in the sunlight
1: just get burnt to death
0: so he flees to a warehouse or someplace that he knows is, is safe for him to hold up during the day.
1: And who's in that warehouse? Newsflash. We did it on a previous podcast. Goratrix sits with the Sabbat at this point. <laughs> and it's Tremere and E-Tribu. And e so nefarious that they said, hey, Zamis, we're not the ones who fucked you over, buddy. Right. That's dumb guys. Right. And Zemis went, all right. Do you like messing with blood and things? Yes. <laughs> we now go to L.A. and we mess with blood We and also like to mess with the blood. And we are here. Maybe are we here. should go
0: mess with the blood together.
1: And if you're a ghoul of these two unholy married matrimony bastard <laughs> clans, you're like, well, we can't fucking fail for sure now because it's going to be twice as bad. All right, cool. What do we need? Well, the boss says we need a vampire. Enter Stumbling Angelo.
0: All right, go stake some vampires.
1: They bring them back. And they're like... Look what we've brought you, master. And they're like, yeah, good job. They throw him like a yeah, hot dog cool, and some coins, go cool. get a drink. Whatever, do your thing. We're going to go... However you handle it. We're going to experiment with his blood and his flesh. <laughs> and they decide, what have they done back in the old world? Well, they made blood brothers. Yeah, well, we're the Trimirante. I bet we can do better than that with you. Right. <laughs> Let's do something else. How about Brand X, <laughs> right? Well, Brand X is when they took a whole bunch of people, somehow put them in like a flesh cage by description, That's when Angelo wakes up and when the steak gets pulled out of him and he's flipping out. He has something attached to him. He doesn't know what that is letting him feel the terror of those in the room. And then he's also still high. (laughs) He still has the residual amounts of the PCP and meth cranking through his body because it's in the blood and he doesn't know what to do with it. And they're like, whatever, keep the ritual going. And when they get done, two things happen. They have these mutant weirdos, like, rules right. have eyes, gotten brace things now, out of perfectly normal people that they had, and then they have Angelo, who's perfect.
0: Beautiful and f- just picturesque in every way.
1: He came out a physical specimen of perfection off the charts in every way. And in the book, he has fives across the board for all his attributes. He's just birthed like a, go- like a Greek god, <laughs> right. is what they made. Except his aura is fucked up. It's described that his aura is a mass of pink, swirlish monstrosity with two horrible eyes that follow that person with aura perception who's staring at it as it's just keeping tabs. It's like looking out for Angela. But it's his aura. Right. Now, if you're any respectable true, but you go, Ha-ha! Success! We did it! <laughs> this is great! We don't know what the fuck this is. What good does an aura? Who gives a shit? <laughs> but trust me, this is a good aura. Because if we could duplicate this, this experiment, it's, it's like the evolution. Right. And there's a Mies. Of course it's an evolution. We built it.
0: Yes! All right, we'll do it.
1: <laughs> Chain them up, throw them in lockers. We're going to Mexico. Why Mexico? Well, we didn't take LA. Certain, right. It turns out right. the energy is yeah. kind of hard. Uh, we kind of fucked up. We were dicking around the lab all night when we should have been out warring. Yeah, there. maybe
0: we were jumping over fires and fucking drinking drug blood instead of...
1: <laughs> a, a mysterious pack disappeared and the black hand doesn't know how or why. Who knows?
0: No, last well, saw so, this at a cemetery.
1: So as they're going to leave, Angelo's like, fuck that. Like, we're, we're hungry. My brothers are trapped in a locker. They can't feed. They're starving. I, I don't know what's going on, but you guys can't do that. And they're like, no, Angelo, no, you're fine. Mm, all right. I'm going to sit here for a little bit. And then they're like, well, Angelo, your brothers have gone to sleep because we refuse to feed them. Life's hard. You're ours. <laughs> and then he just gets quiet. Like, almost pouty. He just doesn't right. talk. But his aura now just stares threateningly at everybody. And they all feel it. Now I don't know why. They didn't douse it with gas.
0: Yeah, I would have lit it on fire and said, that fuck it. That was
1: my cue, but not Angelo. And then they describe why. His disciplines were also growing at an exponential rate. And, and they couldn't account for it. They knew he could jump higher than most people easily and he was a specimen, right? right. He did everything right. They didn't know that whatever he is now, the, it's literally vampiric evolution.
0: And I recall reading in here that they had an especially difficult time trying to teach it how to use sanguinis.
1: Ex- exactly. It, it,
0: it was the opposite. That wasn't easy for them to learn for whatever reason. But everything else...
1: And his unnatural charisma. That's what I liked about it too. Mm-hmm. His ability to just... They wanted to be around him and talk to him and hear him and everything else. So when he's pouty... And as his aura was upset, you know, they were like, I don't make a deal. Until brothers break out. Why did right. they break out? Angela breaks loose, completely destroyed the guy he was by easily, and then he sprung him. And they were all like, fuck, burn them all. And they run in. Angela's gone. All his brothers are gone. Where could they have gone? And then he tell their ghouls, we will torture every fucking one of you so bad. You don't want to be tortured so bad. Get out there and find them. <laughs> and then they rip open the doors and they're like, ah, oh, boss, we'll find them. And they take off. And then that's when the thing stuck to the ceiling <laughs> fell on right. all of them. So let's review. Remember back when I said the Chimurian team we were like, ha success. Look what we have made. We'll make it again. We'll make tons of these. Right. And the Zamis were like, that's because we did good. Remember the Zemis are fleshcrafters and they're awesome at it? And that they originally were trying to mess with blood brothers. Don't know what a blood brother is? It's an experimentation that allows them to make perfect guardians. They're a little slow, a little dim-witted. But they know one thing. Fanatical loyalty to one another without the need of a blood bond. More importantly, they have a discipline called sanguinous that allows them to combine their bodies together to be more effective at fighting in a horrific fashion. Flesh crafters, right? right? That's what they do. Well, turns out... Angela didn't have a problem learning Sanguinous, and his mutant little brothers didn't have a problem with it either. They liked each other already. That was a success. They didn't know that was what's going on. But they also didn't know he could form Voltron.
0: (laughs) You know what I mean? He could form giant, muddle-headed Voltron.
1: And so, uh, a mutant-headed water baby Voltron comes down from the ceiling, and he just... Ruck he just
0: proceeds to kick everything's ass, and they're throwing fire and destruction, <laughs> and basically, he just, it's like all of his brothers are like parts. Uh, oh, oh no, I lost a shoulder piece. <clears throat> oh no, I lost a, I lost an arm piece. Right. And by the time he wades through the Tremere and wades through the Shamsay, uh, it's, the cheese stands alone.
1: Right, and he's gone. He runs into the night, and then the black hand again. Well, wait a minute. Everyone died at the cemetery That pack's gone Now, I always picture The Black Hand member When I mention them It's Blade <laughs> They send Blade You know It's like all oh, the suckerhead's dead I don't know why and Then he gets to the warehouse so They're like Hey Blade Black Hand guy What happened here I did extensive looking around Worcester gave me some new gadgets And we don't give a fuck Everyone in here dead though No one knows where <laughs> they went
0: I thought you meant the player Blade.
1: I didn't mean the player Blade. I mean Blade from the movie Blade, my friend.
0: Oh, if you have ever played a live action game and you've never met someone named Blade, well, you just weren't doing it right.
1: You didn't meet the right trench coat. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's Angelo. It's a cool story to us, and many others in there are much like that, Um, but... I also don't want to ruin them. I truly right. don't. I mean, we're paraphrasing, get what you want from it, but uh, some of them are near and dear to us.
0: These are worthwhile villains for your, your chronicle, your game, um, but these are, these are characters that have a weight to them. They're not characters you want to just throw around willy-nilly. You, know? you don't want to just have them hanging out, eating tea and crumpets at the cafe. They should bring uh, a degree of fear with them.
1: I think we learned that it's Biscuits.
0: Biscuits. Yeah. That's biscuits, yeah, tea and biscuits. Tea and biscuits. We apologize to uh, our British friends. Well, I mean, we don't know. Just
1: want to. I mean, right. you can have a crumpet, right. but there's but, biscuits.
0: But biscuits are probably like the hob-nobs. bigger thing.
1: Proper hobnobs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> then you could go for some cheeky Nando's.
1: Yeah, exactly. You got it all right there.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm just jealous! We don't have them. I would really. We we do have Nando's though. Do we? Yeah, there's one not too far from here. They oh, just opened that. up. Yeah, it's it's chicken. I mean, it's it's chicken. It's Basically just chicken.
1: I had no idea what that is.
0: Yeah, it's so it's like uh I don't know why we're getting into this, but it's like um I think they call it Piri Piri Chicken. It's like uh fire roasted chicken or something. It's it's actually quite delicious, but I think it's like uh it's like African like food. I, I don't I don't know a lot about it. It's new so good
1: you're willing to sell guns? a so small community
0: no definitely no narcotics or guns uh, but i think that's just like a style of food
1: i was referring to blood diamonds oh. that was my veiled reference to blood diamonds i ruined it i just figured warlords now doing chicken made sense to me
0: well you know i mean if we make chicken we'll we'll just call it warlord chicken totally off the fucking but that's topic. a great
1: topic warlord <laughs> chicken. <laughs> yes, sorry chicken. i apologize we, <laughs> whoops it's a badass book we'll just segue back like, yeah wow um I love the book and you should get it because I said so. And now in all seriousness, you should get it because it's a fun book.
0: And on the back of it, it says 13 of the most feared creatures in the world of darkness. Cause it's not all vampires guys. There's a, there's a werewolf in here. There's uh, you know, some other things in here. Some would say some of the vampires are only sort of vampires in the grand scheme of things.
1: Valorius Mayor, if you want to read, if you want to call him a vampire.
0: Yeah, yeah. So anyways, these are the the bad guys. These are the big 13. And if you're following along with us in your campaign with your players, here's a great pickup. Because now you have some plot villains. You have some dastardly
1: bastards. And some that are not, you know, so big bastards. And also, what you do is you now pull out your roster of NPCs, and if any of them come to the point caliber of what's in that book, reassess. (laughs) Reassess and learn to adjust, man. The
0: characters that you made, if they're on par with these characters, you may have taken a wrong turn
1: somewhere. I'm only saying it because I come from the same place and made the same mistake, but it was years ago. Them a decade, decade and a half ago. Nah, I'd say two. Yeah, but I didn't have that gauge. You do, right? I made the mistake, so you don't have to.
0: Absolutely, these are going to be your high end. After that, ba boom, you you want to start low. So let's take a look and see what do we have going on for next week, brother man, brother man.
1: Clan Book Giovanni.
0: So this week, I don't know if it is. Is it Clan Book Giovanni? No, I have no idea. I was
1: guessing. I was guessing. <laughs> and plus, I know whoever's listening, Chad, he's going to be like, yes! And then he's going to go like, oh, they got me.
0: Oh, wow. No, close. It's Clan Book Ventru.
1: Oh, this is going to be fun. Clan Book Ventru. You, so, may, you may think I say it on everyone. This is going to be fun. So
0: next week, we have Clan Book Ventru, And the week after that... We have Los Angeles by night. We finally get to (laughs) L.A. by night. Uh, For those of you who are like, who gives a shit about L.A. by night? Uh, We we do. do. We do because we have game. We run game with players. Thank you to all of our supporters through Patreon that are playing in this game and keeping us up way later than we should be every single night of the week. We appreciate it. We love you. We hope you're enjoying yourselves.
1: We know you are. You tell us, but... uh this is us giving that love
0: back, man. Absolutely. If you would like to come and experience this game, we'll let you in. You can watch. You won't be able to participate until you become a patron, but you can watch. Come to Discord. I'll link to it in the post for this uh, this here podcast. So come check it out. Come talk to us. Talk to some of the players. Um, we'd love to have you. If uh, you're not interested in any of that stuff, but you still like what we do, Please come support us, support us on on Patreon, support us on GoFundMe, you know, if you just want to shoot us a dime or two, buy our t-shirts, we have t-shirts, we don't have t-shirts for this podcast, but we have Utility Muffin Labs t-shirts that you can buy for money and wear and go to places and support us, (laughs) so do that, it would be awesome. If you have questions for us, if you have comments, by this time you should know how to get a hold of us. If you don't, go to our website, UtilityMuffinLabs.com, which is probably where you came from to listen to this podcast. And click on those links. It'll tell you where to follow us, where to like us, where to listen to our other podcasts, etc.
1: So, I have nothing else. I'm blue in the face. I enjoyed this podcast very much. It was fun. And the immortal words of a favorite band of mine, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> now, if you'll excuse us, we've got very important Vampire the Masquerade scenes to run. Of course. We will talk to you next week. Don't ever get old.
1: <laughs> you just felt that was hanging, right? I, yeah, I, I just was you. like, this is I hanging. You.
0: I just didn't know what to say there. Endings are always so difficult. Step I start with bye. Bye. Up. Yeah, no, now we're going to actually stop recording. <laughs>